Happy March, everyone. Happy March. Happy March. Um, welcome to our Oscars recap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's art time of the month. And art time of the month is Oscar. We have been waiting for this. <laughs> this is... This is my high holy day, y'all. <laughs> the yeah. Oscar Sunday is it for me all year. I'm I'm partial to all the award shows, but Oscars are <sighs> they're just like the pinnacle of excellence. I I don't know. I love it so much. See that that surprised me just a little bit because of how theatrical. I love the, the Tonys too, but I didn't really. Um, I don't know. I didn't really start actively watching the Tonys as somebody who's who's like seen all of the shows and everything until like the last couple of years, really. Mm-hmm. The Tonys were never an award show that were like on my radar, mainly because they're a little off season too, like the Emmys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Tonys are in June. Trust that we will talk about that, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, hi, I'm Wendy. Hi, I'm Joe Safin. Yeah, you is. I'm like, I'm just going to embrace it. You like, have to. Because remember, remember how gay we is? Oh, we gay. We gay. You is so gay. I am very. On this podcast. This. <laughs> I'm gay in real you life. You get to be extra saucy here. I have, I have so much. We have a lot to talk about. We have, we have a lot to get into on Titled Friends. So we're just going to dive right the fuck in. Um, first of all, we should mention that we're recording this kind of mid-March because I am going to Europe for the last half of the month <gasps> and I will be gone. Normally we record like the last week. Last week, last day. Last sometimes. day of the month or so. We want to give you as fresh a content as possible. Yeah. So we were like, you know what? Really? All we have to discuss in March is the Oscars mainly. Yes. Uh, so let's do this kind of mid-month and then and then huzzah. So then we'll see what April brings us. Yes. April showers. Anyway... Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Oscars. Um, so this was the 90th anniversary of Oscar. Yes. And it was hosted by one Mr. James Kimmel. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. Of the man show of Win Benstein's money. <laughs> and he like royally fucked up the Oscars last year with mm-hmm. the best picture flub. Yes. And all that. So, um, so there was a lot of like anticipation around him hosting again this year. Um, I thought that his opening monologue was really political. Yes. It was like, I, I think I was, uh, I, my, I was watching with my parents. So mm-hmm. this was actually, I had the flu mm-hmm. and this was the first time that I'd ever like watched a telecast front to back. Cause I was mm. just lying half comatose there. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, uh, yeah, let's, let's, you know, count how many times he makes <laughs> jokes about Trump and the administration mm-hmm. and politics and me too and all that. So, yeah, I thought it was a it was very political, but I think he had to be because he had of, to because of Seth Meyers, like he had and, to. and in general, exactly. I think that there was really only this was the only path for him, and I don't even think it was because of Seth Meyers. I think like given the current political climate, I think he would have been torn to shreds had he not yeah just been so straightforward. So I think like kudos to him, he did a great job as far as just delivering the content, addressing the 7,000 elephants in the room and, and moving forward. And then, you know, peppering in some humor there, here and there, making fun of how old Christopher Plummer is. And yes, I was like, wow, they really came. I was like, wow, they really came for him. They fucking came for Captain Von Trapp, y'all. I I, I said the same thing. I know. Well, first let me, let me preface this by saying, (laughs) I told Wendy I was watching live and she's like, I don't want any spoilers. I'm turning my phone off. And I'm like, 
And so I had to like save. I've been saving. Everything. We have not discussed this at all. <laughs> Full disclosure, not. Josephine and I have not talked Oscars. We have been trying to keep it fresh for you guys. <laughs> until, okay? until we got on the hot mic for this you. This is going to be so three hours are. long. <laughs> so and the reason that I was like, don't tell me anything, because normally I do watch it in real time. But I had been coming straight from a rehearsal. And so by the time I got home and I was watching with our friend Michael, I was cooking dinner for us and all of that. And then and then we started watching on like a 45-minute delay. And right around that time, everybody started texting me. And I was like, nope, goodbye. <coughs> so I like... Done. I'm done. Dialed off phone and like just focused. Yeah. Yeah. So... So, so we're starting from the beginning. So, so we're going to start from the start. Um, first of all, I have I have the finished roster here okay. of the highlighted winners. Um, as we discussed last month, I have an Oscar party with my students, and everybody gets a roster. Everybody guesses. Blah blah blah. My roster this year, I had gotten, I think thirteen. 18 out of 24, correct? Dang, okay. Hold up, though, because how did one of my 13-year-old eighth graders get 20 out of 24, correct? That's nuts. That is bananas, right? And I was like, Brian, how do you know so much? And he was like, oh, I don't know. I just read reviews and I talked to my dad and my dad had seen some stuff. Because again, at 13, they're not allowed to see a lot of these movies. No. And so I was like, how? I, I've never in my life gotten like 20 out of 24, right? So um, I said, Brian, next year, I'm going to email you in the week before Oscar season <laughs> and ask you for your picks. And that is how I will fill out my ballot. Yes. So, um, so yeah. But And then I think our lowest scoring... Uh, student in the group was uh, three. Like oh, three correct. That's not bad. I know. That's not bad at all. I, I got nine. Oh, good for um, you. And it was the first year that I, one, it's the first year that I actually did a ballot. Uh-huh. And it was the first year that I had seen um, more, most of the movies that were nominated. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I did get, I was like very. I, they were. I was trying to go between like, okay, am I going to pick what the Academy is actually going to pick or am I going to pick what I want? That is always the battle. Yeah. Always like, well, do I pick my favorites or do I think with who I know is going to win? And I always go for the win. Like, yeah. even if I liked someone else, i.e. I loved Laurie Metcalf and Lady <coughs> Bird, mm-hmm. but I know and also loved Alice and Jenny and knew she was going to win. So, yeah. so I, I did kind of a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. And I... And I just, I didn't consult any blogs or anything. Mm -hmm. So I thought nine was pretty good. That is pretty good. Nice. Nice. Um, Okay. So we have lots of things again. We'll go over the winners in a minute. I'm whoopieing this conversation. Whoopie. I'm going to moderate. So we need to discuss the host. We touched a bit on Kimmel. The dresses, the winners and speeches, and the musical performances Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So first of all, let's go over... Uh, dresses. Okay. Who was there? Anyone that you hated? Who did I hate? There was no one I hated uh, from what I saw. Like, <clears throat> I thought it was interesting how uh, we're still trying to make Jennifer Garner relevant because <laughs> I thought she looked beautiful. She looked beautiful, but there was a moment because I watched the ABC coverage of the red carpet, mm-hmm. and they pulled her aside, and then the presenter was like. 
let's look at your dresses over time and turns to this big screen on the red carpet. And all of a sudden she sees like her Oscar looks from oh my the last God. five years. <laughs> I did not see that. <laughs> and Jennifer Garner was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> and she's like, you, you obviously, you're so well dressed. How do you do it? And she's like, well, and she starts talking about like, my mom was here when I bought this one. Yeah. And she liked it. So I did it. And I was like, come, I'm like, okay, we're spending, this is a lot of time for a Jennifer A lot of time Garner. that we spend time on her. Yeah. But I, I mean, who doesn't love her though? True. I don't. I like her a lot. I, for me personally, as a cisgendered man, I do not like a giant bow. Mm. So I, I, anything that had a giant bow, I was like, mm, no, not for me. Even if they like wore it really well, mm-hmm. I still don't like a giant bow. I think it's unnecessary. I loved the color of her dress. That, that like royal blue. Yes. was really, really beautiful. Very, very beautiful. That Michelle Obama blue. You know I'm here for that. Yeah. Um, I, the dresses that I had like some kind of like meh reaction to mm-hmm. were Zendaya. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was that kind of like brown, like beautiful color, like beautiful kind of bronzy brown color. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had like an off the shoulder threes company type, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> Joe just guffawed into his mind. Sorry. It's just like. <laughs> it was very Regal Beagle. It was very. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, it felt off. It mm-hmm. looked like it was too big off the shoulder. So that kind of. Looked a little, I'm sorry, looked a little no, messy to me. Um, mm-hmm. Just kicking the microphone for yeah. no reason. Just kicking. Angry about off the shoulder. I'm angry about the Regal Beagle. I'm angry about it. Um, and then the other one was uh, Emily Blunt. I thought she looked a little, a mm-hmm. little frumpy dump, but, but true to Mary Poppins. And, yeah. and you know, mm-hmm. we'll clearly see that and talk about it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yo, oh we, will. we will. Mary Poppins is like... You know that moment where you knew you were gay when it's like I probably knew. <laughs> Is that I w- really? Well, no, not really. I mean, like you know, I had my I had my sexual awakening in eighth grade, but mm. I looking back on the things that I liked as a child, I loved Mary Poppins and I love Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, so those are very like you know huh. they're strong women. Hey now, <laughs> who doesn't love a diva? Um, <laughs> I I will say the one tuxedo I did not like. Oh, okay. Um, so the tuxedo I did not like. Um, it I didn't particularly care for Daniel Kaluuya's. I oh. I didn't like. I don't like that color. I'm gonna push back on that. See, that's the thing is that I I didn't like that color, and it just wasn't something that interests me. That was that like reddish velvet. It was like a cream, almost like a cream. Reddish velvet was Army Hammer. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Army Hammer, I thought like he pulled that off pretty mm-hmm. well, but like. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, I didn't particularly like that, especially because I loved his look um, that he wore mm-hmm. the Golden Globes uh, so much. I'm just, I have <coughs> loved the variety of tuxedo mm-hmm. and the colors and the patterns mm-hmm. and all of that. Like Michael, who I was watching with, was not there for it. He was like, I hate that. They look awful. I hate them. I hate them. And I was like, why are you so mad? Who hurt you? Yeah. Calm it yeah, down. I was like, come on. Not everyone can wear Armani. I know. But I just thought that there was like a really great mix of like classic tuxes and then also like some color mm-hmm. and pattern and texture peppered oh in there. And the Wakandan delegation I came mean, to play, girl. I mean... I was like, is that Chadwick Boseman? No, that is T'Challa, bitch, because... Uh, let's talk uh, about all of Wakanda and how they represent oh at the Oscars. Oh, my God. Let's get into that real quick. Yes, they represented so hard. And, like, the way that they... 
the way that the even the press pictures, how they move when they're mm-hmm. next to each other, they like hold each other. They like there's these moments where it's just like there's so much unity. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, like that is that is some celebration impressive. of black excellence, exactly. holding each other up, and also again, kind of now segueing into this moment that Kimmel did, where he wanted to thank the moviegoers. And he mm-hmm. crossed the street into the theater yeah. where the preview of Wrinkle in Time was happening and everybody, um, which we need to talk about next month. Um, the uh, So everybody walked into this this preview of the movie. And, and so all of the stars from the Oscars crossed the street, right? So within that, that was Gal Godot. Mm-hmm. Um, Army Hammer. Army Hammer. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. Lynn Miranda. Like a lot of people went. Everyone went apeshit when Lupita Nyong'o walked in. Oh, God. Because yeah. you know that everybody at Wrinkle in Time had just come from the theater next door and watched Black Panther. And they like, were like, okay, we for got... For the fourth time. We, we have yeah. to do, like... We Take do my Black billion Panther. dollars. Here we go. We yeah. got to support Oprah and Ava DuVernay. Like, we got to get all this. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Ava DuVernay, I was like, can you just... Can what can I have? Can you do my life like when my my end of life video mm-hmm. <laughs> that plays at my funeral? Can you just can you do that? So good. Um, Adam Rapon. Yeah. So <laughs> I text the the tell last, me what he was wearing, Josephine. He was wearing this lovely tux and harness by Moschino. Untitled friends, this is what Joe texted me when I was like, no spoilers. <laughs> It was like the Oscars had just started, and the first picture I got was a picture of Adam Rapon in a harness, and I was like, "Okay, we're gonna have to talk." And like, I was gagged because I've so I mean, surprising no one, I have been following Adam Rapon since the uh, since before the Olympics, mm-hmm. and he was posting that he's like, "Oh, I'm here to do my," you know, on his Insta story, like, "Oh, I'm here to do my fitting at Moschino," and I'm like, "Okay, get it, like you're gay, Moschino, all right." And I'm like, okay, like I'm so curious what to see what he's gonna do. And then Queen comes out, and it's like not even it's like a look. I uh-huh. I was like, oh, I guess you know, it's like, did you sew? It's like a RuPaul look. I'm like, uh-huh. you are serving this. Um, and I think a a tux and tails with no socks. Um, will make you look shorter than you are, which mm-hmm. it kind of did for him. But he also looked like the most. It was like an S and M cater waiter like yeah because he was holding Mm -hmm. his holding his uh his jacket the way you would if you were doing like you know ballet service at a cater waiter um (laughs) and relevé and relevé exactly (laughs) and and which is unfortunate because Mariah Nagasu who got to go looks stunning Mm -hmm. absolutely stunning in her in her gown and you know I I'm I didn't not, even know she was there. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. Like, there's so many Olympians that show up at the at the Oscars. Yeah. Because it's this event immediately following. Exactly. And at this point, we're like, um, sports. You've had your moment. Bye. Why are you here? Why are you at Hollywood's biggest night? Um, but go to bed. Oh, and we'll the, see you the, in four years. The Shibatani's were there too. Go to bed. <laughs> we'll see you in four years. Go be your creepy brother sister that sleeps exactly. together. Bye. <laughs> so creepy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely mad at the look because it's like, okay, you're, I know you're making a statement. Like, I know this is the, like, that's what you're doing. You're, mm-hmm. I know this is who you are. Yeah. So it I was loved the, it. Good. Yeah. Good for him. Good yeah. for him. Solid, solid. Um, <coughs> The dresses that I loved mm-hmm. um, were all of Wakanda, mm-hmm. all of them. I loved 
um, Jennifer Lawrence, mm-hmm. that beautiful metallic dress to the floor. Mm-hmm. I also want to shout out to our our older women of Hollywood. Yes. I thought that Meryl Streep looked stunning. Yes. And Alison Jenny looked stunning. And Helen Mirren, always the stunner. Jane fucking Fonda. Jane man. Fonda. Oh. Get your life. Get your goddamn life. I mean, yes, she is pulled like a quilt. I don't care. <laughs> what? I don't care. Again, yes. <laughs> falls away from the microphone. Snaps. I, um, 10 years ago, I was in New Orleans and I was like checking out of a hotel right next to Jane Fonda. Mm-hmm. I was close enough to see her facelift. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I was like, thank you for your work. You're amazing. Um, get, yeah. Come and get it, Barbara. Go ahead. Come on. Go ahead. Um, She's amazing. Nicole Kidman. How did we feel? Because it was very structured, but I think it's I don't the, remember what she was wearing. She had like a bow. That's the thing. She had the big bow in the front. Hold on. Um, I have to look this up. And, but my, I think my, my overall, um, I also didn't care for Maya Rudolph's dress, um, but. The, oh, I did. I liked did it a lot. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. it? It looked like, um, what it reminded me of, and this is going to sound really shady, but it reminded me of Dancing with the Stars rumba. <laughs> like dress. <laughs> Um, cause it's supposed to, it looks like it wants to move and uh-huh. I, you know, I mean, she did a really great job, which we'll, you know, we'll talk later, but I think my favorite look overall was Tiffany Haddish's Etrian, uh, Eritrean, uh, traditional gown that she came up and it was hilarious cause they, they were live and then Michael Strahan was hosting the ABC pre, uh, uh pre-show and he was talking to somebody, he was talking to Daniel Kaluuya, and then all of a sudden, Tiffany Haddish crashes in. She's like, hey, Eritrean princess coming up here, <laughs> Wakanda, nay, nay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she looked gorgeous, and she had this whole story about how, like, her father, before he passed, said that she was going to get to the Oscars, and if she did, she had to represent her people, because her father's from Eritrea, and... It was gorgeous and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in true Tiffany Haddish fashion, she goes on to wear that same uh, that same gown that she's been wearing since like her premiere of her <laughs> uh, since premiere of Girls Trip. That's yep. like the third time. So, you know, I loved it. But that I think she owned it in that she was very it was very authentic. The story was great. And the look just worked for her. Was that? <sighs> No, that I'm, wasn't it. It was blue. I think it was, It was, you know, there was a moment where... <laughs> I'm was, pulling up pictures of Oscar dresses so that we can confer. There was a moment where the last person year. that ABC interviewed was Sandra Bullock mm-hmm. and Nicole Kidman came up and crashed it. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the sisters for Practical Magic. Uh, I, yes, I did see that moment. <laughs> yeah. They Loved were just like that. interrupting each other and like it was as if no time had passed. Mm-hmm. Yep, straight up. Oh, okay. I see it. Uh-huh. You know, yep, the blue with the big vagina bow. Yeah, Got it. Uh-huh. No, I'm like, I don't need your Georgia yeah. O'Keefe bow here. Yeah, Saoirse Ronan basically wore the same dress but backwards and in pink. <laughs> um, yeah, so she had the big bow on the back. I also like, I don't know if it was just me or the flu, but I felt like Saoirse Ronan was just not having it that night. Like, I, I didn't, I, I think it's just because she's Irish, uh- <laughs> she's subdued, and we're not. she's just like she's like i have i have a good irish you know there's a there's a flask of whiskey Mm -hmm. it's all good you know we are recording on saint patrick's day so happy 
Yeah, Happy I'm Italian. Day. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I I mean, overall, though, I really there was no dress that made me like, oh, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. And in years past, there have been some what the fuck dresses. Yeah. There was none of that. I really thought that everybody was really, really elegant, really mm-hmm. beautiful, timely. Or if it like if it was something that was out of the ordinary, it worked for them. Mm-hmm. Like Annabella Sciorra. Her mm-hmm. her dress was the one that sticks out to me the most because it worked for her, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like the flashiest or the like, you know, she was standing next to Ashley Judd and mm-hmm. uh, Mira Sorvino who were just, you know, dressed to the nines. And she comes out in this fairly plain with like, you know, some very simple uh, design and embroidery in the front, but it worked for her so much. Mm-hmm. And it also, you know, it kind of plays into that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, as well. Some Emma Stone I, wore pants. Oh. How do we feel about it? Um, you know, I'm not mad at it. I wasn't mad at it either, but you I know? was like, oh, is this that moment? <clears throat> I don't know. I'm not mad at it. Yeah. Emma Stone. <laughs> Emma Stone. <laughs> she wasn't nominated this year. She's yeah, like, listen. She's like, I'm just going to wear pants. Let me just wear these pants right quick. Be comfortable. <laughs> Comfy. <laughs> she's like, you know, I'll wear these pants and like a sports bra. We're good. Um, yeah. I, fashion. 2018. Yeah. Well done. It was good. No, it's like, you know, the Oscars are not something where you try it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're going to do it, you're going to, it's going to be good. But I think you're we're, going to the Oscars. You have a stylist. Yeah. You have a stylist. Someone's made a dress for you. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're not going to, you're not going to take this as the opportunity to like, you know, go super insane. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah, Good stylist. Thank you. All right. Let's talk awards, awards Ooh. and speeches. Okay. For the record, uh-huh. there were I, were there any big surprises? Big surprises. There were no. I wasn't shocked by anything. There were no big. Well, there I mean, were some great celebratory moments. Like, yes, I'm glad that happened. Yeah, like Jordan Peele. Um, yeah. but that I don't think that was a surprise. Do you? It wasn't. It wasn't a surprise. But it, I he he was one of the ones that I picked, and he's the one of the ones I got right. Okay, and it was mainly because I'm like, if they're going to give it to, if they're going to give Get Out anything, it's mm-hmm. going to be for that. Okay, so let's talk about Jordan Peele. Yeah, let's get into it. So Jordan Peele was nominated for <coughs> screenplay, directing, and um, picture, best picture, Is best right? picture. Yes, because I think he produced it. Yeah, were, he did. Uh, best picture. Yeah, he did. Um, so he was. Thrice nominated that night, and he won for best screenplay. Yeah. And the second he did, I'm like the whole auditorium got mm-hmm. up on their feet for him. And I think part of that came in Kimmel's introduction, the like, the like, give it up for the boy from Comedy Central who like came this far. Yeah. And I think that that moment was just like such a celebration of his journey as an artist in this industry and. And also such a big fuck you to all of the old white Academy voters who were like, this isn't an Academy worthy picture. Yeah. Um, so I also want to say I did watch get out the day before the Oscars and, and I could, I still can't stop thinking about it. It's haunting, isn't it? But so intelligently. So, and like the whole first hour of the movie, we were sitting there watching it and I was just like, I am so interested in this. Mm -hmm. There was so much meat in there. Yeah. Um, and 
Oh, God damn, it was so smart. The best part about, so Joshua and I saw it for our other podcast, Fright School. Fright School. Fright School, our other podcast. And we saw it um, opening weekend, Theater of Pull of People, mm-hmm. which was a great experience. Yeah, we talked about this last month. But I will tell you this, the best part, the best uh, viewing I had of Get Out was watching it the second time where you know what's going to happen uh-huh. and you see how it all builds and uh, how everything leading up to everything leading up to the reveals and the big moments, mm-hmm. how it all is very intentional mm-hmm. and the language and all of the script it, things that they say are super intentional mm-hmm. leading up to that. Yeah. And keeping that in mind that there's going to be if these innocuous comments, but like, no, it's real stuff. So smart. Yeah. So, so, so very good. Very smart. Um, I am a little sad that Greta Gerwig did not walk away with anything. No, Lady Bird completely shut out. Completely shut out, but celebrated in nominations for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that when that category was nominated, it was like, here are the male directors and Greta Gerwig. Yes, here are the four men and Greta Gerwig. Yes. And I'm like, she basically did what Natalie Portman did. Absolutely. But she got like so much flack for it. I'm like, no, let's keep saying did it. Did she get a lot of flack for it? There was there were some articles that were like, Emma Stone's getting blab- dragged. And I'm like, well, Natalie Portman did it. And... Mm-hmm. It's true, so fuck you. Exactly, and I feel like the more that we say it and the more we draw attention to the gender disparity, like, there it is. Exactly. There it is, old white men. You keep doing this, so we're going to keep saying it. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other um, category for me that could have gone either way was original song, and uh, it was either mm-hmm. going to go to Remember Me for Coco, mm-hmm. which it did, Um or it was going to go to This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Which both had like amazing performances. I th- I, let's talk about the performances. This is maybe a good segue into yes. performances. Um, all of... I'm sorry I'm hitting the mic. It's okay. I'm sorry. Um, I feel like all of the performances were dynamic mm-hmm. and moving and really important what are your thoughts on the performances? Um, Just to recap, let's let's recap Super what the recap. performances were. Uh, the recap was Mary J. Blige opened with singing uh, Mighty River from Mudbound. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mystery of Love from Call Me By Your Name. Yes. Sufjan Stevens. Mm-hmm. And then Remember Me from Coco, mm-hmm. which opens with Gael. Mm-hmm. Right? Wait. Yes, Gael Garcia Bernal yeah, does yeah. the he does the ballad yeah. version at the end and then they go into the Miguel the studio, Miguel version. studio mm-hmm. version. Which, by the way, had folklore co-dancers. I, I mean it was I mean hold. Let's hold, <laughs> okay. we'll get into it. Okay. And then stand up for something, which was Audra Day in Common. Mm. That was Audre, yes, Audra yes, Day in Audra Common. Day. And that was like holy shit, I didn't see that coming. That yeah. was amazing. Um and that was really the only nod to Marshall, the yeah. movie on Thurgood Marshall. Um, and then This Is Me from The Greatest Showman with K.L. Saddle. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Mary. Well, they made... Mighty you, River. She made a, they made a really big deal. You know, she is the only person in the same year to be nominated for a performance, for a performance Oscar as well as Best, uh, best Song. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a big deal. It would have been, been a gag. Um, I thought that she set the bar very high. <laughs> she mm-hmm. laid it out. 
Yeah. Um, she turned, she, the audience was Viola Davis just like mm-hmm. feeling it. Well, and Taraji introduced her. <laughs> Taraji yeah. P. Henson gave this like wonderful introduction for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think anytime Mary J. Blige opens her mouth, like angels sing and, <laughs> and there are beautiful things and the happen. heavens open up and she's glorious. And oh God. Um, yeah. So she set that bar mm-hmm. real damn high. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Our second performance was The Mystery of Love. Yes. Uh, Sufjan Stevens, I can take or leave. Same. Yeah. Same. That was not one that stood out to me. No. It was very like, I get why you were nominated and it and your music fits the, your music is very much a part of the storytelling and of the film. But like, I'm not a fan of like super angsty, can barely understand the lyrics, Sufjan Stevens mm-hmm. type music. So, yeah. you know, take it or leave it. Yeah, Totally. Um, all right. Recuerdo a me. Uh, Gael. Yeah. Gael, you were good. <laughs> you were good, but you were like not great, but you were good. But he wasn't supposed to be. <clears throat> it was. And know? that's the thing. I was like, I think he's just doing, he's doing it the way, the way in the film, you know, mm-hmm. he's singing to Coco. Um, and then to go into the like, fantastical number afterwards with Miguel and I can't even like talk about that moment in the movie without like kind of really feeling a lump in my throat again. When it, when it came on, it all came back Mm. and I was like, Oh my God. I I purchased said movie Mm -hmm. and watched it the other day again. And it's like worse the second time around. I was like openly ugly crying, heaving, heaving, sobbing on my couch. (laughs) It's, like, <laughs> it's it's in the most beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. And then you have like Real folklorico dancers. And I was like, oh my God. Everything. Just like the whole culture. And then the flower petals falling from the ceiling. Yes. And then for the, what I loved was that for the rest of the evening, mm-hmm. those petals were all over the auditorium. Like it was, it was not something that was cleaned up at commercial. No. The aftermath of that performance was there for all to see. I loved it. Which it was colorful. Great, yeah. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. So that was like, you know, like it, I feel like it could have gone one or two ways. It could have gone between that or greatest showman because Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, Robert Lopez. had one for mm-hmm. let it go. Yes. And then Pesach and Paul had one for La La Land and their speech was a little weird, but we'll get to that. We'll get to it. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yes. And, and then Chaotic Settle. Well, hold on. Do we missing one? Yeah, we oh, gotta yes. talk about Common and Audrey oh, Day. Right. Let's talk about Common and Audrey Day. Um, I did have to look up and because I knew BuzzFeed would have it, it's like, who are the people standing behind them? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, these are like activists. Oh, like legit. Yeah, like Dolores Huerta. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I was like, they panned it. I was like, that is Dolores Huerta. I'm doing the Teatro Campesino right now with my mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. So I keep referring to her as Dolores Huelga. <laughs> I was going to say, like... <laughs> because she is as such in the script. But mm-hmm. Dolores Huerta was straight up on stage with Common. I was like, oh my God. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I showed it to all and, my kids. And, they were excited. See, and I was like, I was a little confused because I'm like, okay, why is Jose Andres there? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I looked at him. I'm like, oh, it's because of his work. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, somebody said to me, do you think when Morgan Freeman dies, Common will be the new Morgan Freeman voice? <laughs> Yo, he just like, yeah. I, I just want him to like, you know, do a spoken word. But there piece is, about there anything. is something soothing in his voice. Very much. That has the same kind of 
like what is it serotonin release in yes, our brains exactly. yeah. that that Morgan Freeman provides for us. Yes, if you if you want to see them both in the same movie, watch Wanted with Morgan Freeman and Common. It's a <laughs> it's an action movie, but it's it has both of them. Thank you for that plug, Josephine. You're welcome. Hey. Um yeah, so they just tore it down and Audrey Day again mm-hmm. can like open her face and just sang. Yeah. And she was wearing all kinds of emeralds that made me just want to like eat them. Yeah. I wanted to reach through the screen and eat her jewelry. It was so beautiful. It looked like candy. Yeah. Oh, it was gorgeous. She looked like she could be one of the the women in Wrinkle in Time but with Maybe. that dress. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe she is. Yeah. She Maybe tested she is all and we don't know place. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And then, then we had This Is Me from The Greatest Showman mm-hmm. with Kayala Settle. Yes. Do you want to talk about it? Um, so uh, I, so our friend mm-hmm. uh, Patrick, he had been posting um, on his social media that he was like in LA, and I'm like, oh, Patrick's on vacation. That's mm-hmm. cool, because um, he was like doing things in LA, hanging out with our friends up there, staying with friends up there. And then one day he posts something. He's like, oh, I'm in a break room, and he's like, this is the only you know picture from rehearsal. The only thing I can show you. And I was like, oh, God. So I messaged him on Snapchat. And I was like, hey, Patrick, are you, like, doing a pilot for a show? Like, what's going on in L.A.? Mm-hmm. And then I, and then he, like, late at night, Saturday, so I got it Sunday morning of the Oscars, he texted me back and he said, I'm actually performing in the choir that's behind Kayala Settle when we do This Is Me at the Oscars tonight. Please don't tell anyone anything. Don't post it on social media. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, break yeah. a leg. And, and then, then I'm like, okay, now I'm definitely doing this. And mm-hmm. clear as day, you can see him there. And, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, and then all of our friends just, like, went ape shit on social media. They were like, yeah. there's Patrick. Because ah! yeah. there's a moment where when the choir's coming out into the audience where he just goes right up he to the front. He just walks straight to the front and camera's dead on him. It's perfect. Exactly. Well, let's talk about the importance of this song, first of all. Yes. Like, this song became this, like, self-confidence anthem for for people everywhere, for, for people mm-hmm. feeling outcast everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... If we follow Kayla Settle on social media, she's been posting all of the beautiful renditions. Ah, I keep hitting the mic. You're good. Um, all of the beautiful renditions that she's been seeing, like that have been sent to her all over the place. Like, and she is just amazing. Yeah. And such a positive force too. And with San Diego roots too, no doubt. So she's yeah. very she's very um, She does. And I have friends that are um that are tight with her in New York as well and, and they're they're also they all everybody just has wonderful things to say about her all the time. Yeah. Um so I'm so happy to see her coming into this success as well with this song. Mm-hmm. And there was one moment where like I saw this photo and I immediately just kind of started weeping about it. She posted the the footage of her singing This Is Me on set mm-hmm. of The Greatest Showman. And, and she said, this is the day my life changed. And I was like, oh, God. Like, that's such a powerful moment to think about. But it's really true. Because, and somebody else posted it and said, it's really cool to see somebody, like, immediately becoming a star right now. This is the moment. And I know that that's the moment she became a star. And that's, yeah, it, yeah, it really is. Like that was her platform. And now she'll always be known as like, that's kind of her signature song now. I love that. Yeah. It's really great. I I actually just saw 
Um, <clears throat> I just saw uh, The Greatest Showman uh, not too long ago, and I loved that movie. Yeah, the Pasek and Paul, man, they they know how to like turn <laughs> right. They know how to turn a turn a bop, and I'm. They are beautiful storytellers too, and it's just. I was like, damn, this is something that I can actually listen to mm-hmm. and, and not get too sick of. Mm-hmm. And I did, you know, it's, that's been on a soundtrack repeat in the mm-hmm. last couple months or last uh, few weeks, but yeah. And it was, it was gorgeous. And that performance brought the house down. It did. I love that she got emotional. Mm-hmm. I can't even like, I'm getting emotional talking about yeah, it. She just like, she, yeah, oh. she just broke down in that, like the, the break of the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, which broke me and is still continuing to break me. Yeah. But she just kind of let it go and just kind of let herself completely just lose it and cry and that accept was that moment. Pick. And mm-hmm. and yeah, I had picked that song to win as well. Especially after having beat seen... Beat out by uh, Disney. <laughs> especially Grr. after seeing Greatest Showman, because I've seen Greatest Showman mm-hmm. sooner than I saw Coco. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I get, it's got to be Greatest Showman because, you know, Pascal and Paul, they can't, they can't do any wrong at this point. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> God, I mean, literally all of those songs this year were really, really powerful. Yeah. So, and then it came down to <laughs> Kristen <laughs> Anderson Lopez and, and Bobby Lopez won for for Coco. So their speech. Oh God. <laughs> Let's talk about their speech. So, so first of all, <laughs> hey children, this isn't for you. Yeah, it's like, but this isn't for you, and they, I think it's because they started to play him off. Yeah. And it's like, as soon as someone mentions a death, they like cut it because yeah. it's like, okay, we don't want to take the moment. Keep it happy. Keep it upbeat. Yeah. yeah. And like, uh, you know, but this isn't for you. This is, and I'm like, how, th- what was the next day like, or the car ride home where it's like, it's not for us, huh? It's not for <laughs> us. It's for your mom. Um, yeah. But like, right. I, I really enjoyed, like, I really enjoyed her comments. Yeah. Cause they were just very like, this is for, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this, this, and this, that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he's all like, but this isn't for you, sweetie. This, mm-hmm. is for, this is for my mom who died. Yeah. So so let's clarify. Kristen yeah. Anderson Lopez got on the mic and immediately kind of spoke to the diversity mm-hmm. uh, and the equality within the category of nominees. And she said that like she really wanted to um, encourage the Academy that hopefully one day and hopefully one day soon that like all of all of the categories can have the kind of diversity and the gender equity uh, that that this category did. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bobby got uh, got on the mic and was like, hey, we love you, our children, but this isn't for you. Yes. <laughs> Moving on. This, is, this isn't for you. <laughs> this is for my dead mother. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And guys. then bye. We and then like left. <laughs> bye. This is for our mom. And bye. Le- and he also made history because Bobby Lopez is now the only person to double EGOT. Wait, what? Bobby Lopez has two EGOTs. He has. He's a double EGOT. He's the only person in the history to have to uh, that night. He double EGOT. So he has two Emmys, two Grammys, two, two Oscars, two Tonys. Shut up! He's I did not know that. Ever to and he's young enough that he could do it twice more. He could do it seven times over. I wonder if, um, like, Howard Ashman was were still alive. And, exactly. Uh, you know right? what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but I mean, Alan Menken still is. Yeah, Alan, Ma- Alan Menken could very well do it. Yeah, but Alan Menken made a career out of writing the same three songs over and over. <laughs> <so whatever. laughs> I mean, it's true. Uh, and I hate to speak bad tea. of another Long Islander, but you know, 
Listen, Alan Menken, we're all on to you. You got a formula and it's made you millions. Alan Menken, if you RuPaul, do you, boo-boo. If RuPaul was here, though, he'd probably tell you to step your pussy up, okay? <laughs> yes, I just told Alan Menken to step his pussy up. <laughs> He's going to call us next. And I'm just telling you, you know what? You sit pretty on your high wads of Scrooge McDuck cash. Go ahead. <laughs> Whatever. He's like, I did my job. We're good. Um, um, yeah. I want to talk about uh, La Mujer Fantastica. Oh yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I in going to, you know, the resident art house theater in San Diego and seeing um and seeing the f- getting ready for Oscar season, there were all these trailers for a fantastic woman uh from Chile and I'm like, "Damn, that looks so like such a great film." And then reading up and I haven't seen it still. I haven't seen it yet, but reading up on it and I'm like, "Oh my gosh. This is a film about a trans woman being played by a trans woman." Yeah. And this is, I'm like, damn, this is really, this is going to be really perfect. So in my ballot, I was like, okay, I want it to be a fantastic woman. Mm -hmm. And I've not seen any of the other films that were nominated Mm -hmm. for foreign film. And so for me, that was a nice surprise because it was like, yes, that's the rep, that's something that I'm looking for. And then when, uh, when Daniela gets up there. And she has her moment and she's like, let's breathe. Let's be in this. Yeah. I was like, okay, yoga teacher. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, okay. We're like, let's, let's let you have this moment. Let's have you, like, she's like, let's have this moment. And, and I was like, part of me was like, yeah, take your moment. Cause you are probably the first openly trans presenter yeah. of, of, at you here. take all the moments. You Go ahead. Just take it all. Just but do it. If there was one thing that I'll take away from this Oscars, it was, it would be that win. That, that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like for all of the big acting qu- categories, there were no surprises. No. It was really, really predicted. But I have to say, Allison Jenny. Oh, my God. I'm so happy for her. Yeah. My pick, and I'm glad she won. The world's pick, really. What was your... Did you miss any in your in your ballot? Um, I'm so curious. Uh, this is not my <coughs> ballot. This I, I'm literally looking at the thing that I post outside my classroom right now where I highlight the winners yes, it has, for all the students to see. Tape. It does. It straight up does. Um, construction paper. My ballot is a little tape. messier than this. Um, there were... All the ones that I missed were like cinematography or like, you know, X, Y, and Z. So like I... I for the ballot... So... I had leading actor. I didn't pick Gary Oldman. I went for Daniel Day-Lewis and mainly because I thought they would give it to him because it's his final film or supposedly final film. Yeah, we for, see that. For supporting role. But remember that time Jay-Z retired? Remember? Remember that, remember that time Cher retired? <laughs> remember? Yeah. <laughs> Don't on... tell me this is your last movie. We're on to you. Uh, so actor in supporting role, um, I gave it to Willem Dafoe. Oh. Be- because I really liked Florida Project. You can like it, but you knew it was going to Sam Rockwell. That's the thing. It's like, I mean, I'm like, that's it. So, like, I kind of went with my heart on this mm-hmm. one. Um, leading role, I, no offense to Frances McDormand, I did put Margot Robbie. Really? I did. I thought Margot Robbie did a, an excellent job. I wanted to give it to Sally Hawkins because she didn't say a goddamn word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, she had to fuck a fish. Um, she- <laughs> But yeah, those were those were my those were my picks. So you know, I only got supporting actress in a supporting role, but I was happy to get at least 
one of the performances and the other ones I just went with my heart. So, and then, well, let's talk about best picture. Mm. What did you choose as best picture? I had thought it was going to be three billboards, which had won everything else. I also thought it was going to be three billboards. And then Shape of Water took it. Yes. La Forma del Agua. Yeah. And so, and also it won for director Mm -hmm. and... No, those two. That was it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, one for director and picture. Yes. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was... I, I really like Shape of Water mm-hmm. and how I saw I it... I still was, haven't seen it. Girl, how I saw it was interesting because it was like a really bad day and I was going to take me... Because I have a long commute and mm-hmm. this particular uh, day of traffic was going to take me two hours to get home. And you were like, fuck this. I'll just go to a movie. I fuck this. I'll go to a movie. So I left work, went straight to see The Shape of Water by myself. I love that. And it was... Like the most, the weirdest thing I'd ever seen at that point, but also super lovely. And it makes sense because the shape of water and to people who have seen it, they, they cut there. A lot of them agree with me when I say this is that the shape of water had this very La La Land feel about mm, it because mm-hmm. it has this very kind of period love story type feel that La La Land had. Uh-huh. And I thought that that's what made the film really attainable to people because Guillermo del Toro like is like this master of the of creepy mm-hmm. intent like creatures and all these things and I thought that that was really great. Um, I thought it was a really good film. So like looking on it, like I'm yeah. If, if anything's gonna win, um, also the critique of the win, it's like oh, it's the safe choice, and it's like okay, let's let's break this down though. How is, is it, it? How is it the safe choice when it's like a film about a mute woman who fucks a fish, who is like an interspecies fucks a fish yeah. with her gay best friend, and then you know Octavia Spencer going Liza <laughs> just <laughs> in the background. I know nothing about this movie other than she fucks a fish apparently so yeah well i mean <laughs> and that sally hawkins is you know emaciated as always and exactly she's and just like not talking yeah she looks like a little like like a sprite like little, a little nymph little, yeah. little nymph just, a little water nymph exactly yeah <laughs> um but yeah three billboards was the safe choice yeah i thought so i thought that that was what was going to win i want to <gasps> talk a little bit about the animated shorts oh my i God. yeah i want to talk about deer basketball because it was fucking beautiful. Did you see it? You thought Dear Basketball was beautiful? I thought it was beautiful. Did you see it? I did not think... I did see it. I did not think it was beautiful. Really? Mm-mm. Josephine, I, we are at a parting of the ways. We are at a parting... I was not expecting you to say that. Oh my God, no, I loved it. I thought it was... Well, first of all, okay. at, my, at my student Oscar party, I show them all of the animated shorts or at least previews or clips of the animated shorts, because that's safely what I can show in a middle school. And you can, yeah, yeah, sure. So dear basketball, we were able to watch in full. And at first I was going to choose something else. I think I was going to choose Lou because that was what a lot of the kids had already seen as a preview to another film. Um, I think it was at the beginning of um, the baby boss or boss baby or something or, one of those two. Something because like it's that. like a, it's a Pixar. It's, it's a, a Pixar, Pixar preview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the kids were familiar with that. And then I showed them Dear Basketball and a lot of them changed their, their votes to it. It was this beautiful graphic love letter to his sport. And it was narrated by Kobe Bryant himself. And I, there is this lovely quality to his voice. I get that he, the man himself, is controversial. And this is maybe wildly optim- like hypocritical of me and 
suck it, whatever. Well, I don't and, care. And like in the in the year of Me Too for the Academy yeah. to basically validate to validate him and his art in such a in 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 such a very public way. Uh-huh. And then for him, you know, in his acceptance speech, he meant it, he's trying to get you know semi political as well. But it was, you know, that I think that 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 was problematic as the man mm-hmm. but if we're but the i didn't like it at all i thought out of the i thought it was i see first of all yeah. i had known the only thing i'd really known of kobe bryant was that like he had cheated on his wife they worked it out like they still have kids to, they have three kids together whatever um but i was like he's still a married man like they're still a family and apparently la la everything's fine I don't know, but like in his year of retirement, this love letter to this sport that has shaped his entire life, I thought was this beautiful piece of writing that he did, Mm A, and the way it was animated, I thought was stunning. Tell me your thoughts on this, and I'm sorry I'll stop interrupting you. No, it was, (laughs) I I just didn't, so I saw it at at one of the art house theaters here that was doing... um, they were, they were taking two weeks to do all the shorts. So like when earlier in the day you could see the live action and then later in the day you could see the the animated. So I happened to make it to the animated this year. And Dear Basketball came up first. And I was like, huh. Like it felt very, I don't know. I felt very underwhelming to me. And I also am not a person who cares about sports ball too much. Mm-hmm. So like that, all of, all of that was lost on me. Like I got the sentiment about being so committed and having this love this intense romance with something that you've spent most of your life doing mm-hmm. like i get that and that was probably and i think that's what spoke to me and and and, and that that's that bear that spoke to me but like i also couldn't help but think like this is what got nominated for academy for an academy award because i thought that the i thought that the animation was fairly pedestrian and 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 it just did not have the kind of storytelling quality that I felt other films, the other films did, the other shorts. I feel the exact opposite of everything you just said. <laughs> this is why I this is why like, we have this show. <laughs> because I'm I like, agree with I'm you, like, like the, the love letter to like your life's work, mm-hmm. I think is what spoke to me about it. It's the same reason that I don't care about sports, but I love sports movies. Mm-hmm. It's the heart of it. And it's the underdog story. And it's the like the journey of it. And it's the why we love what we do part of it, right? So this was his goodbye, his love letter to the sport as he retires. And it was like that something in that like really got to me, but I loved, I loved that it was not crudely done. I don't think it was crudely done, but I loved the, the simplicity of the sketch quality of it. Uh uh I don't know. I thought that it was, it was poetic and beautiful and I was, yeah. yeah, I loved it. Okay, like you're you. I loved it. I'm I'm gagged. I am gagged. I, I am sorry about it. I, although I, I don't think white I white out on a lipstick gagged. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I put Lou though as my vote just because mm-hmm. it was a Pixar nominee and I thought that that would win. So I also put Lou. Yeah. So um, to this day, as of 2018, Kobe Bryant is the only NBA player to be an Oscar winner yeah. as well. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um. Yeah. 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 No other, no other real surprises. No, I don't think so. Oh, but I will say, 
I felt like there was something in it to the ceremony at large. It felt entertaining. Yes. And it felt um, fun and it felt uh, like it had a good energy about it for all four hours of the Oscars. It felt um, like I loved the movie montages that they did before each category and to celebrate even like the the sports and or the war analogy and the... They were just really clever um, movie packages that they had put together before presenters and categories. And I, there was something about the look of the ceremony, the feel of the whole night. A lot of people just overall had said, like, this was the best ceremony in, in several years. Yeah, because it it, it kind of cut through all of the gimmicky stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think they really leaned in on the fact that, you know, this is, it's Oscar, it's 90 years. Let's get away from gags. Like, remember, like, almost a decade ago when they had, like, five people come out to, like, talk to each person who was nominated. I kind of loved that too. Like, I, I thought that was great, but like at the same time, like, oh my God, this is like a really long, they just kind of cut to the heart of the matter. The I thought the montages were very, very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire set, the Swarovski Crystal Cave Beautiful. was just, you know, it was opulent, but that's the thing is that this entire night is spectacle and opulence. It is the height of glamour. Exactly. And it's 90 years of yeah. Hollywood glamour. Exactly. Like that, yeah. Eva Marie Saint came out. Right. Dead. Oh. Dead. I loved it. Dead. She's Rita not Moreno. Dead. Why did we not talk about that when we talked about dresses? Let's backtrack. Rita Moreno came out in all of her one day at a time glory, which no, I still have not seen. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, but, is that Rita Moreno or is that the grandma from one day at a time? <laughs> but she came out wearing the dress that she won her Oscar for, or she won her Oscar in, Mm -hmm. in 1970. Yeah. Which, 70 or 60? 64. 64, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. She wore that dress when she won for West Side Story, and then she had the dress, like, repurposed and imagined and stuff, but the skirt, still the same, everything. Just fucking perfection. Yeah. Head to toe perfection. She had her like turban on. Look at me in my like pseudo old lady glory. Exactly. But I'm still going to cha-cha out here to this microphone (laughs) and make you all eat it. She's like, oh, my mommy said, good negresh. And I'm like, I oh god! I'm See, like, that's a testament. It, people, you know, people of her. color don't throw anything away. Like, no, <laughs> she just, she just, she just kept and she's like, yeah, it's been hanging in my closet. Listen, let me tell you something, Josephine. Oh shit! Keep the microphone. But let me tell you a goddamn thing. If I won an Oscar, I would keep the underwear I wore that night. I'd keep every, vacuum sealed. I'd keep the gum wrapper in my pocket. I'd keep everything pristine for the rest of my life until I died and I'd pass it on to my children and grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. Oh my God. For real. Uh, Sandra. So uh, Sandra Bullock's bit where she had them lower the lights till she was 35 again um, was really great. And it's like, you know, these bits are, they're, you know, they're, they're supposed to be campy and hackneyed, but she just did it so in She her, did it just so honestly. She her, was like, look, I'm in my fifties now. Yeah. This is what my neck looks like. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And then I love her for that. Lupita and, uh, Kumail Nanjiani come out. Oh and my God. I loved their, their moment. It was like, where, the- where he was like, my, my Pakistani name is Chris Pine. <laughs> 
I also love that I, I somebody somebody in the Oscars was thinking because they said if you wear glasses, wear your glasses out to read the teleprompter. Yeah. Because I just noticed it was like people who it's like Lupita comes out in these like these very statement glasses. I know. And she I love them. It was just like And then she beautiful. wore them for the rest of the night. She wore them across the street too to yeah, the other theater. Like, I'm gonna take my contacts out. Straight up. Oh my She's God. like, I live in Wakanda, y'all. Yes. Eat it. Ugh. Um Kumail Nanjiani's bit in the package mm-hmm. uh, where he talks about, you know, he, he, he spoke to something that really speaks to me because he was talking about, um, and it was widely quoted that he, he's a lover of film. Like mm-hmm. he has loved films all his life. And for his entire life, he's had to watch white guys. He's had to empathize with white guys and, and these stories. Yeah. And he was able to get meaning and value and, and from all of these types of stories. And then he said, now, you know, now that I'm finding success, I'm white guys are going to have to, you know, empathize with me. And it's not that hard because I've been doing it to them uh-huh. the entire life. Yeah. And I was like, that was just a beautiful yeah. moment. And... And I was like, yes, that's exactly it. Because you have you have these kids that grow up seeing all of this stuff. And I'll talk a little bit more about this later when we talk about another film. But mm-hmm. it was just like representation matters. But that's why it's like, oh, do we need you know? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's this like you know, especially his film, uh, The Big Sick, and it's like huge Pakistani like voice in it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah, and I can relate to all of that. That's mm-hmm. why the beauty of film and television and theater is that it is a complete, it's a complete uh, space for this empathy. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was a, it was my favorite moment of mm-hmm. the Oscars that what he said. Absolutely. So good. So good. And I think we're starting to see representation like really showing up and mattering for everybody, for people of size, for people of age, for women, for people of color, for uh, people of color who are not just black or Hispanic, for language, for for trans women. Like there's so many um, oppressed people who are seeing versions of themselves and that's the best the the next 10 years when oscar turns 100 Mm. are going to be the years to watch and to really gauge how far we've come like these next 10 years are going to be something because i think about okay so when oscar turned 80 10 years ago like it was still new millennium but not but not really the, to the level that we have now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, so I did the math. So the last five winners of Best Director mm-hmm. were all from Mexico, except for uh, Damien Chazelle, who directed uh, La La Land. Mm-hmm. But those are the last five. Del Toro, Inaritu, and um, Alfonso Cuaron mm-hmm. uh, for Gravity. The la- out of that five, expanding it to 10, only two American-born people were best director mm-hmm. and that was Catherine Bigelow and Damien Chazelle. Everyone else is from another country. And it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we're, we're getting the best people to tell these stories, but they're also telling stories that are universal, but also still some of these stories that they directed, they're uniquely American. Mm. And that's just a beautiful thing to think about, even in just these last 10 years. So where that's going to go over in the next 10 years is going to be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I also want to point out that um, it was t- <coughs> 2002 when Halle Berry won for Best Actress, and we have not had a black actress win 
since then. Yeah. Um, so the fact that in 90 years there has been only one, one actress of color who's won for best actress mm-hmm. is, is appalling, but also that when it happened in 2002, we thought like, yeah, victory. And, and the fact that now in 2018, it has not happened since yeah. is, we've had what, pretty shocking. only supporting, right? Hattie McDaniels mm-hmm. won supporting mm-hmm. and then Viola Davis won last year, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah so. We've had plenty of people of color in, in the supporting category, but, um, but still those, those yeah. numbers are off and, um, I think as we start to kind of see more of our melting pot of our country coming together, we're going to start to see a lot more color in our categories, which is welcome. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, guys, that was the Oscars. Yeah. You're it welcome. Was good. It was very good. It was good. It was a good year. I'm already excited for next year. I am too. I'm pumped about it. It just makes me like I pay I pay more attention now to to films that are coming out just because you know we're living in this moment where like one film is an escape. Film is a dream factory. It's an escape for me, and that's and I feel like all of the there was something that uh, right after the election there was a podcast I was listening to that was talking about what is the kind of art that's going to be made in this mm-hmm. age. What's going to be the art that's going to be developed and created and released during these four years, and what is that going to say about our culture? And it's interesting to see that you know these films and we're already kind of starting that because some most of them started like you know pre 2016 mm-hmm. and then like were released or redeveloped and whatever but it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen and how that moment is going to like trigger something and send shockwaves so that way we just uh, you know i'm hoping for just a flood of movies that represent that represent these other groups and and really embrace it mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm excited for next year already. Straight up. Yeah. I like that Kimmel spoke to the the piece about, you know, remembering a time where no one thought that a woman superhero or that um, a superhero of color could ever dominate. And he said, I remember that time well because it was March of last year. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and and he's correct, you know. In this, in this one year, we've seen Wonder Woman. We've seen Black Panther. Um, we've even seen, like, A Wrinkle in Time. Like, we're starting to just see things kind of blow up and explode and expand and and it's just all wonderful it's, and great. It's really great. Mm-hmm. The only reason Infinity War is going to do well is because people want to go back to Wakanda. Yeah. We can't, we can't, you know, it's, it's going to be released next month. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for it as a Marvel movie fan, but like that's the only real reason that I'm looking forward to it is, you know, we get to go back to Wakanda. Yeah. Okay. So... <clears throat> So thank you so for thank you. for indulging us on our Oscars rant, Untitled Friends. We're happy you're here with us. Um, yes, we are. We're going to talk a little bit about Love, Simon. Yes. Oh, it's a yes. new movie that has just come out. I have not seen it yet. Josephine's Queer Corner. Josephine's about to get real gay on your asses. <laughs> I have not seen this yet. So Josephine is about to school me and explain to me why I need to see it. Yes. Go. Um. So... Uh, Love, Simon is a new film uh, directed by Greg Berlanti, who is, you know, very famous television director, producer, um, took over showrunning Dawson's Creek when he was only 28. 
Um, and he has been, as an openly gay um, producer, he uh, openly gay filmmaker, showrunner, he is very, he's done his part to really have have that kind of representation come into the work that he's done. So like producing even Riverdale and he's basically responsible for all the superhero stuff on the CW, all the DC superhero TV shows and bringing in that kind of representation. So, you know, that's kind of where it's coming from. But Love, Simon um, is based on the uh, young adult novel that was released in 2015 called uh, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the first... Uh, teen young teen romance film to have a openly gay character an openly lgbt character lead character lead character mm-hmm. wide release mm-hmm. um and i uh i've been wanting to see this film for a while just you know based on the trailers that i've seen and to support it because you know we're living in you know at we had a i keep telling people like we got a black panther the shit out of this film mm-hmm. uh, and i saw it um I saw it the week before its wide release um, at a like sneak preview showing that was only in one the- one theater, one showing, and it was a very small theater. It was packed though with people from all ages, all like you know, it was gay and straight mm. from all different ages. And <clears throat> I will tell you this, um, friends, I I love the film, and it is it's not a perfect film. But it is also simultaneously not for me and for me. Mm. And it is very much like I have been unpacking like the week after seeing it, it's it like stuck with me in a way that um, a film not since Moonlight had there uh, a film been stuck with me that that way. And, you know, the film itself, like the premise is not in is not in, t- in insanely profound. Uh, basically, this is uh, a closeted high school student who engages in a online correspondence with another closeted gay kid at his school, but mm-hmm. he doesn't they don't know each other's identities. Mm-hmm. And then um, all of a sudden someone finds out that this is going on and blackmails Simon. So like it's very, you know, it's it's like it's, it definitely has all the marks of like a teen film, but there are moments and there are themes and that where it's like, yes, that happened to me exactly the way this mm. happened. Or yes, this um, this is something that like, this is a moment that I felt. And it's beautiful because this is what, this is what that kid in Pocatello, Idaho is going to be sneaking out of his house to go see. Mm-hmm. And because he needs to see himself. And it was like representation matters. And I've talked to so many people about it and y'all, you know, this, I consume a lot of gay content. Like there, there's no shortage of, there's no shortage of films about gay youth out there that if you wanted to consume, you could, but what makes this one different is that it is trying consciously trying to reach a wider audience. Mm -hmm. And it does so in such a way that like, it it doesn't play up on too many stereotypes like and it's trying to be this very warm film and mm-hmm. i thought it did that and yeah and then i of course i ended up uh i got the book and read the book and the book is also very good as well awesome so i recommend it to i recommend it to everybody um i especially recommend it you know wendy because you are as a as a teacher of children people mm-hmm. i think that um i think that you know you're you'll see a lot of, you'll see a lot of value in the film as well. Salad. 
So go see it. Love, Simon. Thanks for that plug, yo. In theaters now. <laughs> In theaters now. Um, continuing on with Jay's gay... Well, I can't talk today. I'm drunk. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Joe's gay-ass corner. Gay-ass corner. Gay-as-shit corner. Um, let's bring it into RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 3. Now, if you have not seen this, stop listening now. If you haven't, yeah, if you haven't seen this, stop listening. Because we're getting into it in ways that are spoily, spoil, spoiled to ever spoil in the history of spoiled. And if you're going to keep listening, then fuck you. We don't care. Then I don't do care it. because you've been warned and no. you did not heed our advice. Yeah. So sucks for you. <clears throat> okay. So. When last we spoke, Benzela Krem was the front runner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So Ben removed herself from the competition, self-elimination, and I lost my goddamn mind. I am deeply hurt by this and upset. I understand her reasons for doing it, kind of, but Mm. like give the people what they want, yo. Mm -hmm. The hell? I mean, ugh, just... Part of me is like, did you just end your career? I don't think she did. You th- I, Really? Because, like, you know, she... So, he, so here's the thing, right? Like, I get her reasonings because she didn't want to... She no longer wanted to play the game. And, you know, in her true miscongeniality form, like, mm-hmm. she will just continue to play that. She didn't want to play that game and wanted everybody to be, you know, happy. But Well, the, it's like fact that if she was still in it, she would have won it. Yeah. Absolutely. Hands down. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And she would have been, and she would have been a more interesting choice in my opinion. Uh huh. Um, you know, but we'll get, we'll get to we'll that. We'll get in to a that. Minute. But because given how the top two were arranged, I don't know that Ben would have made it into the top two. Uh, well, true. Okay. Continue talking about Ben. Ben, just like one, I, my thing is like RuPaul doesn't know and RuPaul knows everything that goes on in that whole production. Mm-hmm. So if it's not going to, it's going to happen if RuPaul wants it to happen. Um, my thing is like, did Ben, I wonder if Ben got to keep her cash. Like, mm. because like you, why would you, what is the, uh, the rules of it all? Like, what is the contingency for contractually? What do you sign con- on for when exactly. you sign on for that show? Exactly. Yeah. Because there's still other, there are still things that you're contractually My friend Jenny does do. lighting on that show. I can ask her. <gasps> oh, I know. Uh, why isn't she here? <laughs> I know. I'll let her know. Hey, Jenny, we want you to come down. I just want to know contractually <laughs> what it is. Cause like they, I mean, with how it ended up playing out, mm-hmm. you're still going to show up, mm-hmm. you know? And I thought that uh, Shangela's comment about, like, you know, Ben de la Christ, like, here she is in trying to, you know, save the world or whatever. But... Uh, yeah, Shangie was just, like, straight up, like, she's still playing the game. Yeah. In the way that she left, she's still playing the game. She still has an angle. Yeah. She went home with over $50,000, mm-hmm. which is half the prize money. Mm-hmm. And she got to be on top. And how everything played out, she will now forever be the, like, well, you know, you... If you had stayed, you would have won. And I'm like, I know I would have won. Mm-hmm. And I just like, it, but. So do you think her career is ruined? I think like thinking about it a little bit more, I think that it might be just because the this might leave a sour taste in fans' mouth, especially of how it all played out. Um, 
for me personally, I probably would still go see her, but I still love her. I still, and I still love her. I just, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're going to bow out, then you really did not want it. So you, it invalidates your claim to the throne because you didn't want it. I think though that when she entered into it, she did. I think when she came back, she was very clear about like, I had a great experience on Drag Race. How do you top having a really great experience, you know, and coming back? And then she continued to have another great experience mm-hmm. and she wanted to go out on her own on like in her own terms, you know? And so, cause like the moment she started not having a good experience and it started becoming all of this because she started having to like cut people she loved. I yeah. think that that's, she wanted to still be to everyone's do. friend. Yeah. But you know, this is not RuPaul's, RuPaul's best, best friend race. race. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, I'm so gay. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bitch, I'm from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so gay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I still love her. Mm-hmm. I I think when it comes down to it, if you look at the drag she did every week, she's so good. Consistent. So smart. She knows herself. Flawless. Yeah. Timing was amazing. Mm-hmm. She just knew how to turn it out every single week. And yeah. she had her finger like on the pulse of, of what was appropriate comedic comedically like every week. Like the fact that she, she turned out for snatch game. Char, uh, uh, Paul Lind. Se- Paul Lind at yeah. the center square. And like, there was a time where doing a man in drag would have been like this huge, huge, huge no, no, mm-hmm. you know, but Kennedy had done it with little, little Richard and yeah. won for it. And straight up, she won for Paul Lind. Co won. Yeah. But still. Still good. So turning out, she's one of the my favorite queens, just because, especially in this particular in this particular show, no matter what she was faced with, she just faced it, and it was and mm-hmm. it was solid. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So Ben de la Creme leaves and leaves us now with our top four. Our top four are, and now we're all like, well, who the fuck's it going to be out of them? Yeah. BB BB Sahara Bonet. Cameroon! Cameroon. Ratikitikitata. Yeah, I'm pussy bitch. Ooh, <laughs> of la, course la, you la, know. La, 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 I just love the Seibon. It's crazy. <laughs> she, like, she has the moments. There was a writer who wrote a recap and he was like, please someone release a book of poetry by Bibi Zahara Benet. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. So good. Um, and then we had Shangela. We had Trixie Mattel. And we had Kennedy Davenport. So uh, those are our top four now, right? And now we're like, well, fuck, Ben's out of it. It could go any way right now. I think we we knew up front that, like, BB was not going to take it. No. But I still had your theory in my head. I still did, too. I was like, but what if she was a plant the whole time? I was like, I was thinking about, like, oh, my God, what if, like, there's a moment where she gets off stage and walks and joins them in the jury. And it's like, now Mm. one of you will have now, you know, my vote counts double or something like that would have been the gag of gags right there. I almost wanted at the end, I almost wanted Rue to be like, and the winner is Ben de la Creme. And like, just kind of like, (laughs) fuck all the rules. I'm still picking who I want. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's always been Ben. I know. Ben, the time has come for you to lip sync for your legacy. Yeah. Ben, get the fuck back up there. You're done. Yeah. I know. I kind of would have loved to have seen that, but like, whatever. 
We're going to respect your choice. Yeah. Choose your choice, Ben. Choose your choice. You choose your choice. <laughs> Wendy's anthem. Okay. So, um, so the four of them. Now, when it came down to the top four, they had to present themselves to a jury of their queers. <laughs> Yo, it's like, ah, you will now face a jury of your queers. Talk about that, Joe. <clears throat> so I will preface this by saying that I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I was drafted into a RuPaul's Drag Race trivia team. You sure did. And what happened with that, the the fall, the outcome of that is that my team finished, uh, we tied for first place. Did you now? We tied for Go first ahead, place. gay. And then the two teams that had the, the two teams in the tie had to send one member from each team to answer five questions by themselves. Ooh. So I went for my team and the other one sent their nerdy looking guy too. Okay. And then we tied again. Oh. And then at that point, the drag queen hosting was like, since you both tied again, tied again, the time has come for you to lip sync for your live. And I was like, uh, get the hot one who's been drinking to go up for me. So we, so I tagged you did him. Not? I did not. So okay. I tagged him. He went up. The other team sent this queen who did a death drop in the first two minutes. Uh, so, you know, we. Whatever. That's tired. But. But played out. Our prize for second place, our prize was reserved seats at a local drag bar or a local bar called Urban Moe's. Hey, Hillcrest. Hey. Um, local seats at their viewing for the finale with reserved seats and bottle service. Hmm. So on the finale, I went to a gay bar. And which was packed. We had reserved seats and bottle service for the finale. So I watched it in a room full Shut of my queers. Up. Did was, everybody die? Everyone died. So the, the drag queen who hosted, her name is Mariam T. Shout out Mariam T. She was like, all right, everybody, before we get started, who's Team Kennedy? And there was like, Woo! One yeah. person, he's like, wow, that's 11 more people than I thought. Uh-huh. And, then when, and then when everyone else, so it was a, basically a Trixie Shangela house. Uh-huh. That's what they were looking at. I I just like ironically said Bibi Zaharbonne, but I just I think I knew up front. I was like, well, it's going to be Shangela now. The second Ben left because Shangela had worked her ass off, and like she was a polished fucking queen at the end of this at the end of this season. She she like has done so much. It was clear to she put work. in the work. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the yes. jury. So the jury comes, and by the way, if hell does exist, it's Aja in that devil drag, <laughs> and the devil is looking that, or it's Thorgy Thorge talking to you <laughs> yeah. nonstop for yes. twenty four hours a day um, on loop. I want to know. Um, I can't. I do not. Thorge. No. Thor, I it can't. Yeah. Thorgy Thorge is the worst. Oh, Thor. Guys, <laughs> guys. But That's guys, a controversial opinion. They're going to come for you. Come for me. I don't. Guys, look at me. Look at me, listeners. I don't have it for Thorgy Thorge. Oh, she just made a great face. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought their questions were very reasonable. Uh, I thought that uh, Trixie Mattel throwing Kennedy under the bus for... Uh, for the rainbow dress? For the rainbow yes. dress. Well, I mean, good, because when she came out in that dress in the bar, everyone was like, boo, that was She wore that. Exactly. <laughs> You're fooling no one, woman. Shh, like, the category was your best drag eleganza. Your best drag. And you come out in a leopard, like... You know, like <laughs> that was BB looking like a looking like you are from Wakanda. Yeah. Like, no, no, your best drag was Shangela hands 
down. Hands down. Because it, it was Shangela Trixie. Trixie with the vintage Barbie still in the box. I mean, yeah. dead. But like she Shangela was, was just like, it was like, it told a story because if you think about her first runway look, mm-hmm. season two, when oh she was God. eliminated to when she had been doing drag for five months and that night and effing day, like that alone is worthy mm-hmm. of the crown, that arc and that story. For real. And also having looked at the previous two winners again, I would like to see an all-star of color. Exactly. The fact that we had four all-stars up there where only one was white mm-hmm. and the rest of them were of color. And you know, BB famously, why should you win? I'm an immigrant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an immigrant. I am an immigrant. I'm an immigrant. Yeah. They're snatching these away from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. So, so the Queens had to vote on their top two. The Queens, the eliminated Queens delivered those top two. And then there was a wait. Did you see that video online? So mm. Logo and posts the um, two minute, a two minute video that basically shows the Queens voting and it goes into their reasoning. Uh-huh. And the way they voted was weighted. So if you, the first lipstick you chose was two points, oh. the second lipstick was one point. And people chose Kennedy first a lot. And uh, someone chose BB first, which was fascinating. Shangela only got one person to pull a lipstick for her, and it was Thorgy Thor. Really? Thorgy Thor. Uh, Thorgy completely voted the way that I was going to do it, which would have been Trixie Shangela. Mm-hmm. But no one else pulled a lipstick for her. That is insane to me. Isn't that insane? And they basically, I was like, uh, so I've seen it twice already. I saw it on the finale night and then I actually went to some gay friend's house and we watched it again. Uh And I was like, why is everyone being so deferential to Kennedy? Yes, she's an established queen from a dynastic house in the South, but like, what is it about it? I feel Mm -hmm. like she had this like, you know, you're never going to work in the South again if you don't vote against me. And like, and like, seriously, Chi Chi, get off of Kennedy's fucking dick. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> for real. But also, what's funny is that Shangela had been really strategic about allies throughout the whole season, her whole Game of Thrones reference every episode. And like, let that shit go. But still, like, she was very aware of like the allies and doing one right for you and you do one right for me. And like, and none of that. No one voted for her. What the no hell? No one voted for her at all. And like everybody had agreed that like she was front runner from day. You know what I mean? The second Ben left, it was going to be her. And I think they said like you know there she's going to continue to do well, but she doesn't need this. There are people who need this. Yeah. And at that point, it's like I struggle with that because you it's. You're here because you want a crown. Like, it doesn't matter if you need this or not. I don't think that All Stars is the place for who needs it. No. All Stars is the place for who is the fucking best. Exactly. At what they do and what they've done with this platform. So, that's why, like, when the final two lipsticks were revealed as Kennedy... First of all, Kennedy was revealed. And the other three queens immediately were like, fuck. Trixie's face fell because she immediately assumed the other lipstick would be Shangela, Shangela mm-hmm. as everybody did. And then the second lipstick was revealed to be Trixie. So now our top two is Kennedy and Trixie. BB and Shangie are both like, 
Shangela's face and Bye, what she said. girls. It's like, you know, to come so close, what she said, you know, to come so close. And I'm like, fuck. And there's, and you're never come back. And you You'll, can't, yeah. You can't. I mean, they're, they're not, where are we going to put ourselves through se- an all-star season four or five? Like, no, like uh-uh. you'll never come back. No, but I, I will say that, like, I loved what she said about how RuPaul was looking at her with pride. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that Shangela went out like real classy. Yeah. You know, she did it her way. Yeah. Classy class, but like she was fucking robbed, y'all. Yeah. Friends, I'm looking at you. She was robbed. I don't care what you say. She was robbed. Thorgy, you did one good thing. <laughs> yes. You're maybe back in my good graces. But... Exactly. But now let's go to the lip sync. But now let's talk about the lip sync. First of all, why are we lip syncing to Miley Cyrus's wrecking ball? <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. Rue? Rue, are you listening? I don't even care if I'm blowing out this mic. Let's talk about it. Of all of the like finale songs, like a give me a Jennifer Lopez, give me a waiting for tonight, give me a share, yes. give me a any I uh, give me a Madonna, give me a, any kind any of any diva, give me a better Paula Abdul, give song. me a Diana Ross, give me whatever. But you're gonna give us Miley Cyrus Wrecking Ball, a ballad nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Kind of like an angsty tweenish ballad that has no, no room for choreo tricks, anything. And maybe that was the point of it to see what the Queens could just do with nothing but the song. Yeah. Um, but again, it reminded me a lot of Latrice's lip sync. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I was like, (laughs) cause Latrice was like, Here's what this song is about. I'm just going to yeah. stand in one sp- one spot and give you my guts. Exactly. And she just felt that shit. And she mm. just like held that pregnancy bump and she was sure like, did. this is what makes me feel like a natural That's woman. That's right. And then little Kenya Michaels was, takes her wig off. She took her wig off. She started grangeting across the floor and was like lyrically dancing. And that is not what Aretha is for. That is not what that song is about. Do not come for Riri like that. No. Yeah. There is a gay sitting behind <laughs> Michelle Obama that will tell you That's that is right. not what it's about. <laughs> Waving their finger. Yes. So. So based on that performance, yes, Trixie Mattel is the clear winner because she. Based on that performance, because Kennedy took it to this lyrical dance place where in. was like, girl, are, what is this? <laughs> Trixie what was liturgical just like, dance that you pulled us out of? Exactly. And Trixie was just like, all right, this is the fucking bullshit song I have to sing right now. Okay. Then I'm going to make you feel it. And that's why she won it. Yeah. I also will say Trixie, I think, is like the campier queen and Rue always goes for the camp. Um, But really, now we, you know, if we're looking at the three all-stars we have on the roster, they all look the same. Yeah. They all look the same. Although they've all earned it. But again, like, I mean, we're Ben in the competition. I would not have anything bad to say about Ben winning this year. But but still. But yeah, that all-star, that that Hall of Fame is Lily White. It is. And it's like you have Chad, who is an established, professional, consistent, like, that we've already got. Yeah. Then you have Alaska, who is like subversive, fuck you, glamazon. Gender fuck. Gender fuck, Mm -hmm. all of that. Irreverent. Mm Mm-hmm hilarious yeah then you have Trixie who's all those things too mm-hmm. and like has a country has a country album which is actually pretty, really good yeah actually really good dragging a country album and it's kind of hot as a boy um but 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it would have been nice to have seen another face there, a, yeah. a, a face of color. But, but well, yeah. I w- the exciting thing about this is that literally the finale of All Stars 3 is bookended back to back with the beginning of season 10. Mm-hmm. So next week, we're about to meet a whole new roster of all new season 10 queens. Um, and this is going to be an exciting season with the 10th season and Xtina on the season premiere. Yes. Are you excited for any of the queens? Do you know anything about it? I know nothing about them. I don't do all that research. That's why I have you, Joe. So, Isn't so the, one of them is returning, right? Because she had the with the ankle thing yes, and the a Eureka. Eureka, yeah. Yes. I will say I'm in it for a big girl this year. I and I'm in it for I Eureka. I want a big girl. I want uh, I want a big girl to take it, but again, is that gonna add another white face to the crowd? <laughs> Well, I, so what's hilarious is that I usually don't know who the Queens are. Uh-huh. I have no idea. It's like, I'm not in that world, but because, you know, I, as I follow queers of notes on Instagram uh-huh. and, uh, I'm actually fairly familiar with a few of the Queens. Interesting. So, um, the one, the one that I'm looking to watch is Mayhem Miller, okay. who is from, who's a California queen who I actually saw perform. There's a, we have a gay flag football here in San Diego <laughs> and every year they do their big fundraiser is called Laces and Lashes, which is a plug for them. Laces and Lashes, which is basically um, an amateur drag competition where each of the teams uh, have someone do a drag performance and mm. Mayhem Miller was there was their uh, MC and she was gorgeous and it was great. Like she was really, really mm-hmm. good. So Mayhem Miller, I'm looking out for just because she's the local, she's the local girl, but there's some other people that I'm looking out for too. Monet exchange, mm-hmm. Aquaria, Ms. Cracker. Yeah. It's going to be good. I haven't heard any of these names yet because I am like, <laughs> I rely on Joe to do all of this backstory research for me because as I was naming those names, which you guys didn't see is the person Dick that fell out of my mouth. So, <laughs> you, you didn't know. see the face that was like looking at him with like <laughs> one eyebrow raise, like Ugh, put your gay away. It's showing. God. Uh, so we'll, we'll crazy. have that in April. We'll have the, we'll have like the first two weeks of uh, drag race. We, when we will. Come back in April. We will. We will. Um, friends, I feel like this has been a pretty thorough Oscar recap, drag race recap. We're in it. We're going to come back in April to you and in I'm going to talk to you about <laughs> in April and I'm going to talk to you about all of the European art that I've seen. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see the National Theater production <clears throat> of Pinocchio. Oh my God. Yeah, girl. That's supposed to be insane. Guess who got a ticket? I am bougie about throwing my money around when you it comes are. to getting tickets. You are. We discuss this quite often. It has been the subject of many an interview between Joe and I before. But I just like to buy tickets when I when I see them. And I'd rather be experience rich and and wallet poor. I was <laughs> experience rich and money poor. Yeah, um, I'm fine with that. April is care. also uh, my birth month. Holla back. So we'll be talking about my favorite things. Uh-huh. We'll be talking about all of Joe's queer favorite corner queer things. Favorite things. <laughs> um, but yeah, holler back on Titled Friends. Thanks for hanging with us. Thank you. All right. Have Let's a good one. We'll, we'll see, see you in April. April. Bye. Bye.